Hello? Sorry. Hello? Now I've got Wait, to remember what, what to say. What are we doing again? Wait. There's in the toilet. Taking too long. What? What? You can't ask me that. I have to I have to go home. Oh, my God. Wait, what are we doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> Hello. Wait, what, what are we doing? Hey, Hello. 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 How you doing? Yeah, I put my video on for a, for a little bit. Chloe's um finishing up work. She's going to come and join us. Great. Well, it's nice to uh, see your face. Yeah, you too. I was just yeah. watching a, a little video on YouTube. It was like film. It was had a really, really, I should have, I, I'll just look it up on my phone because it was like film courage. Film courage, yeah. Yeah, that's really lovely. Um, a lovely idea because I think, uh, you know, on this podcast, this is all very organic and I'll turn the video off so that I won't get distracted by staring at what's in the background. But, um, <laughs> so don't mind me if I turn the or just go audio because then I can focus. But yeah, yeah. So I thought like this is a pleasantly chaotic podcast. Like we're not we don't we don't really sell anything. We just kind of talk about you know about things um, that we like and that have we found funny. And I really thought you'd be a fun person to have on the show because you're so um so sweet and your voice is nice. So oh, well, thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so we'll be a little bit stressed. So we'll we'll um wait for her to join the meeting room. But where where are you at the moment? You're um I'm in Los Angeles. In the uh yeah, have you ever been to LA or no? I went to Anaheim to go to Disneyland when I was a kid. Uh okay. Universal yeah. Studios. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm actually um, cl- closer. Uh, Anaheim is, you know, a good probably hour and a half from us. And then uh, Universal Studios is close. I mean, I could drive there and probably, if there's no traffic, half hour, usually 45 minutes. But I'm sure there's a reason, like in uh, that movie, that lovely movie about, um, I've gone and gone, no, I'm not going to say that I've gone blank. The um, Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling film, L.A. Oh. Uh, La La Land? La La Land. There you go. I went LA Confidential because, like, it's pretty hard oh, to yeah. name a, originally name a film these days. But, you know, that opening bit with the traffic, I really like the way that they did that. Yeah. Yeah, the traffic is, is interesting in LA. It's, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, when I first got here, I was um, writing this movie and um, and most of my friends from New York happened to be, like, in walking distance. I was in well, West Hollywood. Um, and there's some shops and stuff there where, you know, and I was like, I would like not really get in my car. Like once a week, I'd go out to the beach. Um, but I was like, what's everybody complaining about? The traffic isn't that bad. And, you know, but like, um, and then once I was, I shot that movie and was editing it. And like every day I was commuting to like the editing room. I was like, oh my God, the traffic's terrible. <laughs> you know, so yeah, traffic isn't bad when you don't go in it that much, but um but if you have to commute anywhere, so so the whole lockdown has actually been great for me in that way because it's like it's just so much easier to have a meeting, you know, in my home office as opposed to I mean, because you know, if I have a meeting in pretty much anywhere in town, 45 minutes to get there, an hour or more. And then, you know, if it's an important meeting, I get there early. Um, and then, you know, hour, hour and a half of the meeting another hour, hour, whatever. So I'm like half the day shot. Yeah, they're huge chunks um, out of your day, aren't they? And they're like, they don't seem to, nobody nobody ever offers to pay you for them. And like, they just go, they're just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's yeah. like, but um, 
Yeah, I don't I don't do much driving. My son started school and he's like walking distance. Not that we have Oh, it's nice. But yeah, it's really it's really sweet and most of what I need is close by and I'm studying now, so I've got a message from Chloe. Nice. Uh-huh. Okay. But... How's she doing? <laughs> Thanks. Uh oh, she's on her way. Don't I like um so she's finishing work like right on like one o'clock. Oh, okay, cool. So what what is what does she do for work? She's a communications officer for um I always I always call it the love your gender people. But so Chloe's transgender uh-huh. and now she's working in a in an organization that supports young people who are experienced like just sort of people navigating navigating that whole world and you know it's a big one. My my uh, a buddy of mine from college has his his uh his older child of two uh, is, is is trans, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been interesting to see that experience. It's um very, I mean, it's been tough for everybody. I mean, the uh, uh, his name is um, uh, 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 Evan, and Evan is so angry, angry and 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 struggling, and um and you know they live in San Francisco, and they're I think seems from the outside pretty good parents, but it just this is tough. This is is Evan tough the parent place. or Evan the no, child? No, Evan's, Evan's the child. Evan's the child. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's like Chloe's joining us in the waiting room. So we'll, we'll oh, great. Chloe in. And, and then I'm going to turn my, I might turn my video off just so that I'm not staring at myself. You can keep yours on. It's be, be it's nice to see your face or you can turn it off as you I, wish. I, I like to stare at myself all the time. That's... <laughs> it's age, it's definitely been the age of um of people like not looking at the camera because it's your own face. Chloe, we got you too. Hello. 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 Hi, Chloe. Hello. Hello. Oh, there I am. Sorry. Oh, oh yes. Very um. <laughs> Fabulous. Don't be silly. Besides, like whenever I'm on on Zoom, I always find myself like playing with my hair but yeah so i'll just allow me to do a little a little introduction chloe this is brooks elms and hello lovely to meet you great to meet you i'm gonna gonna brush my hair in front of you because i kind of oh rub it in huh (laughs) rub it in i don't have any hair is that what you're doing you bring good luck you very good luck (laughs) well actually you know what like because i was in that house i was in that house fire and i lost this whole like just this little buzz cut line across the top of my hair. And now I'm, I've got this fringe. From a house fire? Yeah, I was in a house fire and um, it was, um, yeah, I got scars and I was in hospital. We talked, we, we, we actually made a podcast episode about it, but yeah, it was pretty um, intense and, but I won't. You, I wake up, you woke up in the middle of the night and it was on fire? Uh, well, yeah, actually my, um, I woke up in the morning and my son had already woken up and gone into the lounge room and, it was all just a like it was a terrible accident, but when we were so lucky, it's it's been a huge lesson in gratitude, and I'm just trying, you know, seeing. Yeah, it was definitely there. eventful. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mum had to like con- find out how to contact people. It sort of drew together a lot of um, a lot of uh, threads into you know like what's really important. Burned away all my impurities, is what I say. Wow. Yeah, very cleansing experience. It like. Brooks was asking yeah. me what exactly your job is, and I kind of, kind of tried to answer in a way that was like I don't really know exactly. <laughs> you, mean like, <laughs> you mean my day job? Yes, your day job. Is it a, is Bond Vivant or something? I don't know. Um, 
I work at a place called Working It Out and my role is a um, community engagement officer and comms. So I, our organisation is like a LGBTQI plus training and education support service. And my, the simplest way to put it is my email address is info at. And so basically um, people email me and they say, or they email info ad and they say, I need support. And I go, oh, okay, well, here is like where you can make a booking or someone from a school says, we need someone to train our staff about including trans students in their programs. And we go, okay, here's the person to talk to. <laughs> nice. So, That's great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's very um, very re- rewarding. I sold my mobile credit cards for over 10 years on like call centers. And so now I'm making up for... Um, being a corporate bitch. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Basically, corporate> bitch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> so, I, um, so I originally was on Twitter one time and there came up this little purple thing at the top. It was a Twitter space for screenwriters and Brooks, you were hosting it and I dropped in to listen. And I think my first, my first question was really chaotic, but then I thought, that was really fun, and so I've kept an eye out and come back. So, what were you? Um, what was your sort of original intention with those Twitter spaces for screenwriters? Well, so yeah, so I uh, I started out making movies with my friends in, when I was a teenager, and uh, <clears throat> uh, wrote. You know, we just we make a lot of comedy movies, and then I went to NYU Film School. And I wrote, directed, and produced a few independent features, um, and really loved that. And then. Um, um, focused mostly on screenwriting as opposed to like writing and directing as of maybe like 15 years ago. And then maybe five or six years ago, I was doing some teaching at like, a, there's a UCLA has an extension program that has like professionals teach some classes, like, you know, one class per semester. That was fine, but it was also kind of bullshit because it was, um, uh, if I can curse on your show. I, you I can curse. In fact, like that's, that's just base level cursing on this show. I, I curse more if you want to. <laughs> yeah, <curse away. laughs> it was, um, it, it just, um, academia for good and for bad is just sort of, you know, one level of sort of learning. And I just, I just, I really, and it was fine for what it was, but I just felt like there was, um, in a class of 20 students, um, I liked everybody. I got along, but there was two or three that I really loved connecting with. And, and I felt like, I was like, what if I just work with them, you know? So, um, so then I, I realized that there was, it was possible to do sort of like do everything that I like. Like I've, my whole, my life is really about three main, about a lot of things, but I have three main passions, screenwriting, um, uh, coaching in terms of like either coaching teams or coaching people and then personal growth um, and all sorts of different modalities. And when I came across this coaching model, it was like, well, I can do all three and that's pretty amazing. So um so I did it and it was just, it was great. It just, it's been a, a total game changer for me to be able to make such a profound impact on other people who are talented in some way or another. They've either written a few screenplays, but they can't get to the next level or they've, they've wanted to write it, but they're like either a copywriter or a, um, you know, or an internet sensation for short content or, um, you know, somebody, you know, uh, one of our current members is uh, day jobs at NASA so they're skilled in all these different ways cool. and they um and I can help them sort of focus those energies into writing a professional level screenplay. And so um 
Awesome. Yeah. So as I started doing that and I, um, and I figured, uh, because it was just basically to help, help screenwriters. It was like, you know, to, to be able to teach them how to write a professional screenplay. And then I also started talking to lots of screenwriters and saying, well, what are your, what's your other problem? The other one is people feel like they have a script that's ready. Usually it's not ready. They need more time to, to develop it. But even if it is ready, how do you get it into the hands of people that can do something about it? So I kind of created these two different programs. Um, and, uh, and I just would get on Twitter spaces to talk about um, either those programs or just different ways to help writers. Because basically the way I see it is there's a continuum. It's like, I'm here on the planet to um, serve people with my stories, uh, the screenplays that I write and sort of uh, the, the heroes and the conflicts that matter to me as, as expressed in my stories so that I can serve them, uh, but also to serve mm-hmm. fellow writers. So, um, so, and, and one of the ways I do it is for free by doing either Twitter spaces or just tweets or things that I feel like are interesting and I give all that stuff away for free. And then the people that really sort of are uh, significantly helped by my ideas, they want more and I give them more in these different programs. So that's- That's cool. Yeah, yeah. thanks. And Chloe, it'd be really helpful if, if like, cause I was thinking, I don't want to sort of in, do too much of the, of the segue talking, but you wrote a, screenplay that was developed into a web series i remember seeing the original script draft of it and it was acted out by people and it was so great and um oh, so how yeah. much writing yeah i was just thinking like how how um how would you describe how much writing you've done as well because come from yeah that. like um it's such an interesting thing because like um i've been doing stand-up comedy for 20 plus years and um so when i when I got some funding, because the project, this project, this web series has been funded first by Screen Tasmania and then by um, Screen Australia as well. But every time I would talk to someone, I'd go, I don't know, like I, I haven't had much script writing experience. And they would say, well, shut up, you've been doing stand-up for 20 years. Like, you know, stand-up is a dialogue. You have act-outs where characters interact and find the best and funniest lines between, you know, two imaginary people. <laughs> <laughs> and so it yeah, made course. sense. So my imposter syndrome kind of like um, didn't stick around for too long. <laughs> Great. That's, you know, like, uh, that should be an interesting question. Like, is there is there a lot of crossover for people who like when I think of screenwriting in particular, I think of the formatting of the page. You know, like that sort of typewriter font and everything being centered and everything. It's like, um, you know, what what are the components of a screenplay? that are different from, say, a piece of stand-up? Would you say, Brooks? Oh, oh you're asking me. <laughs> um, well, actually, my wife does some stand-up. Uh, she, she's newer to it. She's, she's, so, um, so I, uh, and I'm just a fan in general of that art form. So, um, so we see a lot. And um, so, uh, but I would say it's interesting. Um, uh, I would say, with with a screenplay, you really it's very little to do with the actual formatting. The formatting is is sort of the the last the last part of it. Really, what holds people's attention is for screenwriting is hero goal conflict. So what's it? What is the main character in it, and what do they want, and why is that hard to get? Why is there a conflict, and why are there stakes? With my take, and I'm curious about your your take, Chloe. With with stand up, is um you know you might have anecdotes or things that that set up depending on the style of, of humor um yeah but it's it's almost like you're just you're just kind of 
the setups and payoffs are sort of shorter. You know, you, you, you know, uh, something, something, yeah. and punchline, right? Set up, punchline, set up, mm-hmm. punchline, yeah. depending on the humor. And then you might have a callback where, where you kind of set up a joke here, yeah. it comes back a little bit, it comes back. But the, and the structure of it, uh, my understanding is that is that um, comics have they'll structure it and they'll have a sense of it, but it's not like one main narrative. Um, generally yeah. speaking, so um, yeah. to, to me, it's, that, that, yeah, does that sound about right for you who actually does it? I mean, I'm I'm just I'm, gonna, I'm a fan. <laughs> so that, of that sounds really quite accurate, actually. I think they're very they're very different and very similar all at the same time. But the, like, um, if I'm writing a stand up, it usually comes from just, just like an idea. Usually, I think of a line or someone says something that that, or I hear something in my head that sounds funny or interesting, and then to turn it into a like a piece of stand up sometimes it's there's a musicality to there's a musicality to a joke so you can kind of go well um here are some elements of something i find funny but i need to structure them away and i have notes where it'll be like set up um introduction set up and then i'll just have a bunch of asterisks and then it'll be punchline so i know that the asterisks has to be the missing bridge between the two parts the components to make it really um pop and that's really interesting because it's kind of like um, you can hear that rhythm in your head and you go, well, I just need to fill that bit in later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Come back yeah. and do something there. It needs a beat. <laughs> yeah. we, exactly. my, my, wife, my wife and I went to a show in, in downtown LA probably two months ago now, whatever, but there was a, uh, this comedian we really liked and it was, it was interesting because I was thinking of it structurally how he had, he was telling this joke. He basically, the, the, the rhythm was he would, he would, and he and I'd seen him do it before in other other uh, bits that he had done or other shows, but he would say, uh, "Yeah, I went on the hike the other day." Uh, okay, it was a flat surface, but and and then he would kind of and then he would step it back even further, and then he would yeah. step it back even further. So, but it was really interesting how he must have constructed it because, you know, he yeah. um, uh, because it, and it was probably like five or six steps backwards in terms of presenting this. No, it's actually this. Well, it's not even that. It's this. And um, yeah, 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 exactly. formal. But it was interesting because as I kind of noticed the structural similarities to other shows he had done, I realized, oh, okay, now I got a sense of how he might have crafted it. And yeah, like sure. he, he might have gotten one idea at any point and then kind of stepped it up and stepped it back and then had his whole bit to be able yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Because also some of it gets written on stage. Because usually, if like if I'm performing a new joke for the first time, I kind of my set lists always look like there's just this keyword I have to hit this keyword, and then maybe there's a few tags that go along with it. But um, I know how to get there. I just have to find my way. And so sometimes I'll say something like just off the cuff that's in the moment and then I go that becomes a permanent fixture so like I will do that the same way for the next 10 years <laughs> so oh, I have oh, jokes that have the same I have jokes that have the same smirk the same raise of the eyebrow because like um I performed them on stage it's one time and it really it really kicked, kicked off and I was like okay that stays but then um it's strange I remember talking to a friend of mine um there's someone who's producing one of my scripts actually, and I said, I have a joke where um, I would reach for a beer at the, at the exact moment when, or reach for a drink at the exact moment when the audience is probably putting the two bits together of the joke, and then I would reach for my drink for the next five years when I get to that one. <laughs> so it becomes like, you know, 
concrete, it's on rails after a while. But that all happens from that moment of improvising on stage and then that becomes a permanent part. <laughs> and that even happens in films, you know, like there's often like, be a BuzzFeed listicle or something will say, you know, moments, your favourite moments in films that you didn't realise were improvised and that's where sort of people are building on the structure of, you know, what's written yeah. down. But then they've got a certain amount of freedom and, you know, they might add something that really gives it that magic. I, I suppose is that like if you're writing a screenplay, is, is that something that you have to leave room for or should you just kind of assume that this is finished enough? But Well, so, the, I mean, I would say you can look at that in two ways. When I used, when I directed stuff myself, um, I would, I you know, uh, I, I'd already written the script, but then I would have the actors perform it as written just to make sure we're covered and then usually have them riff off of it. So, you know, your objective for the scene, just go play it. And then... Um, so that I had both. So I was I was making sure that I had enough to sort of progress the scene, but also had pot potential potentiality for something that crackled more. It's more authenticity. That's um, a recipe. You know, like when you first make something, you need to really well. I like to really make it accurately so that I know the cake will be a cake. But then <laughs> I sort of go, okay, those flavors are analogous, or those fats, or you know, all of the components. You kind of work out where you can. You've got a bit of creativity, but the first time. Like I would like to read it line by line. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> my my wife wants me to bake that way, but I actually never do. So <laughs> when, when I bake, and sometimes disastrous results. But I'm kind of like, oh, whatever. I just. <laughs> I always tell my kids I, like we're having experimental dinner tonight, kids. So, <laughs> I'm a little too experimental. Ryan, good with baking. Sometimes. <laughs> I remember thinking like, oh, I just remember, I remember thinking about what you're saying about, oh, you know, improvising in scripts and stuff. I think the way that film is now no longer like a, a finite resource in a way because it's digitized lots especially in the in when making comedy films there seems to be this real let's nail these scenes and then we can just like goof off and improvise for a while you know yeah. rather than rather than realizing that goofing off is costing ten thousand dollars a minute it's <laughs> now so, you know even less, it was like a whole second disc of like extras like like forgetting sarah marshall like I watch the long version of it all the time because I love some of those jokes, which and can kind of slow down the pace of a film. Because one thing I, one thing I often think of when you're creating a film, like I do it in my head, is it's got real timing. And and sometimes there's two things that I think mess up timing in a in a film. One is CGI when you get the feeling the whole thing's gone off. They've gone to another room. It's another group of people. They're not they're not sort of in the same creative space. And then it gets you know, sutured on or grafted on to the other bit of the film and then in improv, you know, so it's like maintaining that truth of the story because I guess it's really all storytelling, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, it, it certainly is. Um, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, it was, it's been interesting for me over the years because, you know, at this point I've written 35 or 40 screenplays, something like that. Um, and... Uh, and then, and then once I started teaching it, I was like, well, how do I know what I know? But that idea of hero goal conflict really sort of emerged as, as pillars of what makes a story a story. Um, yeah. And also, interestingly, if I ever get lost, like, you know, I, this point, I've written so many, forget about some of the damn things I've written. And so, and if I start thinking about mm -hmm. like, well, what's that one about? I'll go, and then I'll go, oh, well, what's the hero? Oh, it was so-and-so. What was the goal? Oh, it was this. And why was it hard? So it's a nice yeah. sort of 
um, sort of, uh, it just, it's just, it focuses you on exactly what the audience is most interested in. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, I was thinking about, uh, like some of, oh, sorry, I'll probably go blur and want to edit that out. Um, like when you, when you've got a, a moment, that's what I was going to ask you about. So when you were doing your, the, the Twitter space and we were talking about screen, screenwriting and you mentioned Blake Snyder's Save the Cat and that as a principle, um, I wondered if you could maybe describe that concept so that we can loop Chloe in. I bought the book. I've read a bit of it, but it was a really great idea. Um, what, what, what Blake meant by save the cat? Yeah. What exactly saving the cat is like, or. Yeah. Or, so it's, it's, um, it's interesting actually, because it's not, it's really not that essential. I mean, he really could have said a lot of different ways, but it was, there's a, there's an energy to it. That's nice. And that sort of, I, I, I met Blake several times and he was really wonderful um, and he definitely had a saving the cat energy where he just was helpful to people. Um, but what it means is, is basically you're, you're having your main character do something nice for somebody. That's it. If they're saving a cat or, um, or, you know, the, the flip it would be having the, the antagonist kick the dog. Like, oh man, he's terrible. He's kicking a dog, right? That's I call it kicking the puppy. It's, it's the, the villain at the, has to kick the puppy once. And that yeah. is when the audience is, that's the audience's cue to go, oh, they're beyond redemption now. We're like, yeah. Whether yeah. or not they're evil and they were going to save themselves, no, that's over. We don't like them. Yes, that's <laughs> right. You, you got you to go get them. Um, but yeah, saving the cat is helpful because it's like, oh, I like that guy. This, this, hero, this hero is looking out for somebody. Um, and we yeah, like yeah. that side of ourselves that looks out for somebody. <laughs> um, uh, actually, yeah. I just launched my book uh, this, this, uh, this week. A new book. Oh. And it was, it was a, a lot of ways inspired by um, by Blake's book um, and his system. Just because you know, I mean, I, I went to NYU Film School in the early '90s, and I read all the screenwriting books um, at that point. And um, and and but I didn't, Blake's was the first one I found. Um, I don't know, two thousand three, two thousand four, someplace around there. Um, that had a real sort of actionable pro uh, process and system. Um, and so when I started applying that to my own work and then doing it professionally and sort of advancing that way. Um, you know, I, I, I made it my own, you know, so, um, so there's, you know, anybody that knows his system and reads my system, you can kind of see the connections, but, but it's not like one is really built on the other. There, there's different, but what happens is, is like, like I said, with hero goal conflict, there's any good ideas will be used in lots of different systems. Yeah. Yeah. Them. Like the good musical notes, nobody owns them. You know, That's and right. then you do tend to yeah. riff off. But I think system books are really useful for some people. I don't learn particularly well out of books, but I do remember things that people have said. But yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's it just um, it helps again, especially if it's not nothing's too rigid. You want to sort of like because what happens is, is that newer screenwriters they're not asking themselves the right questions. A lot of people really have the capacity to write a great screenplay. But if they're not asking themselves the questions that the audience is really wondering, then they're not even going to really have access to go, oh, I know that answer. It's here, you know, or I don't know it yet and I got to dig for it. So what happens is they put some other uh, idea in there and it's just and the audience is kind of like, eh, it's kind of good. But like so so asking the right questions is, is really the way through it. And a good system serves that up. It's almost like a way of getting making sure you're asking the right questions so that you can answer them directly and a great screenplay has all the answers 
It has all the questions yeah. answered really deeply and fully. That's a good idea. And I think there's definitely a role for continuity people in, in that. There's this one, there was this uh, TV series that was made from a book um, in Australia. It was about this um, this couple with a baby and, you know, we weren't sure for a long time whether the baby was okay. And But then there was this pivot point, there was this real twist and the twist didn't make sense to me. It was not realistic and it really bugged me because it was like the rest of it was great. And then yeah. this bit that it had to pivot on wasn't strong enough and it felt like it cracked. Like you made the whole thing out of ceramic and then that little tiny bit is plastic. Ooh. You know, yeah. anybody yeah. notice? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. there's like a big similarity what you're saying about like in stand-up and those and the audience and the audience questions is like this kind of almost like a like a type of group psychology where you're kind of having to almost what's the word kind of um second guess or stay one step ahead of where the audience might be thinking or going yeah so you kind of go well if i see if i'm in front of 100 people and i start talking about this there's going to be largest percentage of them will be almost trying to beat me to the punchline <laughs> yeah. and that's when you need to subvert their expectations and then script writing is similar because I'm always thinking like um is this believable like if I was a if I was a real cynical audience member like would I actually find this um would I believe it myself if I saw it I always kind of struggle with my um script editor because she'd always say no you've got to well, her philosophy is like you got to put your script you got to put your characters through hell and I'd go oh really but <laughs> yeah <laughs> and one thing won't the audience be upset with me <laughs> as the creator for like making this person's life awful? And like my men my mentor's like, no, no, no. Like, you know, they they want to see this like the tragedy of that. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, 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 they, they, I would say not quite. Yeah, they, yeah. they, they, they want to sure. see them they want to see them rise from and triumph oh, and overcome yeah. the tragedy. That's the part. If it ends just with the tragic part, they will hate it. What happens is what happens is we love our heroes so much and we're like, Oh, I don't want them to hurt. So you kind of give them an easy ride, but that's like being a, a physical trainer and like not putting more weights on the bar because you're like, Oh, it's going to be too yeah. hard. The muscles are going to tear. No, no, you have to, gradually add more weight so that they're absolutely maximizing their power and a great yeah, narrative right. yeah. will will really make it as hard as possible so they can overcome even more and it's more triumphant experience do you know what yeah. i really I was just thinking like when you've got these sort of obvious things that people want you to do that's where i really love a good satire like i was watching the woman across the street from the house with the girl in the window and it's like there's this and it's so she really trades on um the writers have really traded on all of the oh like all of those things that happen in crime things in crime shows where you know like they managed to get get an image of a license plate that you couldn't know you know like and i really yeah. like the, how they expose all of those techniques that sometimes people need to have a little bit of faith in creative writers and go actually maybe you've got a reason for not wanting to do it so obviously because we are familiar with some of these languages and tropes and you yeah. know, like, that's been oh anytime i hear someone in a film say why are you telling me all of this i'm like because you needed plot exposition it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure. that, like with the woman across the street is full of all those lines like just the ones you want like bingo <laughs> <You're just> like, <laughs> <laughs> i think i reminds me of that i wrote i wrote a note to myself 
while I was watching something on television, and I'll get to it in a second. <laughs> it was very similar to that, where it was like, when a character says this, you always know that something else is on is coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the then the bait and switch. And I'm reading. Um, crime, I love watching um, Vera, which is like this sort of Scottish crime drama of old ladies solving the crime, and. Uh, right. And I had to describe it to my, I was talking to my mom and she said, I gotta go, mom. The viewers just discovered a violent crime. And then I realized that's every episode, <laughs> but it still felt new. I loved it. Like, how does she do it? She's such a good writer. That's funny. It was like, yeah. Thinking like, have you got favorite screenplays and favorite screenwriters, Brooks? Like, have you got people who you really admire in that way? Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, I, I have, cause I, you know, I, I, again, I started making movies with my friends and then I went to NYU film school where they really train you as like a writer director. So I really identify as a writer director still. Um, and I'll probably start directing again, probably next year as my, um, I've been coaching my sons in basketball and soccer, which I really love. And as they're getting, you know, old ones in ones in high school and ones you know, only has a couple more years of, of like middle school, um, you know, then I won't be coaching them anymore. So, um, but that sort of leading a group into an intense, you know, uh, temporal experience of getting, getting what we can, like in a sport or in a, in a movie shoot is um, something that's really deeply satisfying for me. So I think I'm going to move back into directing soon. Um, so, um, so, so my favorite, so when I think of like favorites, so interestingly, so I've never had like, Oh, I, I mean, I do, there are lots of screenwriters that I admire, um, even ones that I don't know personally, but just like ones I, I haven't met, just their movies. But when I think of like what's made the biggest impact on me as a person and as a person, as an industry person, um, it's uh, uh, Stanley Kubrick, um, Martin Scorsese, and um, Richard Linklater. Those three, um, Kubrick for just the intensity and the audacity, um, and it, it, interestingly, his structure wasn't all that strong. It was very unusual, but he just had an intensity and a curiosity about what he was doing that um, had such a gravitas for me. Um, and uh, and just the quality of the work that he did ever since, like he got out of his like even like in his early twenties or late twenties, early twenties, it was kind of a mess. But like late twenties, he was doing amazing stuff, and then just legendary. And then. Scorsese, interesting thing about him for me is, you know, mostly his, his gangster stuff. He's got like a third, there's like a third of his work that's like, oh my God, I, I love it. It's amazing. There's a third, it's like, oh, I can watch it. It's Scorsese. And there's a third, I'm like, yeah, it's not for me. Right. And he's got a big body of work. So, yeah. um, and then Linklater is, um, you know, there's a lot of things that people aren't crazy about with him. And I understand that, but there's just something about his sensibility. He's a he's kind of charming, he's kind of full. Um, the types of characters yeah. he talks about are people that I, I relate to. So, um, I mean, most. I, mean, I love Slacker. I, I love Slacker. Slacker. Yeah, same. Yeah, and yeah, I it's clever. You, it's you, draw a, you draw a map of Slacker, like you know, it's it's really creative storytelling, and it doesn't sort of get locked into those rules. Like you have to know what happens to that character, and he kind of went, "Well, why? I'm gonna have a new character cross their path, yeah. and the camera's gonna follow them." And it was yeah, so yeah, he was. He was, he was great about sort of taking a concept of some sort and then and then playing with it. You know, to me, like like if you look at Boyhood, this idea of like, OK, we're going to shoot a, a movie once the three days, once a year. And then over a 12 year period, the kid's going to grow up in like two hours. Um, 
you know, it's like, what as an idea and, and, and just audacity to do it. And so, and, you know, and then the movie, it's the, the, the actual um, drama sequences themselves were you know, kind of standard drama stuff. It wasn't that gripping, but yeah. just to see the kid grow up, you know, in a period of two hours and it just, it was just, man, it was mind boggling to me. Um, so, yeah, for sure. yeah so th- th- those are the ones that, that for whatever reason spoke so deeply to me. Um, and made Im- impact on me, I think more as a as a director than as as a, as a writer. With the writer, it, it's actually in a sense, it's almost some of the stuff I write is more sort of personal. Um, I think I would say it that way. Um, but you know, with the way I approach screenwriting is is getting help. My you know from coming from my own awareness of my own sort of life struggles and how I dealt with them the wrong way and the right way. And then I help other writers deal with that, figure out that same thing, whatever their biggest personal life struggles are and what they did, you know, when they're messing up around it and then learn those lessons. And to me, when they speak to that metaphorically in their screenplays, it really comes from the deepest place possible. So yeah. um, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. That's great. And people coming, yeah. people who come along and, and talk even just in the, in the free tweet, Twitter space, often they've got an idea and, you know, when you hear it, you think, oh, I can see the film in this. And, mm-hmm. and you really kind of, I can, I, I like the way you seem to want to draw that out of what it's coming out of them. It's true. And it's, it's, it's from their heart. And it's, you know, I really like that. It's something really generous about going out there and doing that stuff for free. It's like, I mean, we do this podcast, right? We don't, we don't do this <laughs> to make a million dollars. But, what? Yeah. I'm not getting a million dollar check for this. You know, it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, cash for comment. <laughs> but, it, but after you've, um, yeah, once you've started making something, it sort of takes on a life of its own, and they really like yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so. the thing that, that kind of like I was saying before. There's a continuum. It's like when you um, figure out where your your deepest passions are, where where your your bliss is, and then who are your people that you want to sort of share that with and connect with. Um, as I got more clarity around that, um, not just as a screenwriter of my own stuff, but even more broadly, like, yes, that audience that I like to serve, but also my fellow writers. And I was like, oh, I know my people and I want to help them in any way I can. Oh, and I can help them in this program and I can help them, help them in that program and I can help them in these free ways. And so it's like I can help them in all these different ways and I love them all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I have a friend of mine who's like um, uh, a friend of mine who's only been like doing stand-up for about a year, but he's really talented. He really zeroes in on like what's funny. He's really got something, but he's also a, um, a burden or, you know, he's slowly becoming or getting into script, script writing or screenwriting. But um, every opportunity that's come my way in the last two or two or three years, like I'm now kind of like foisting on him going, Oh, apply for this, get on this radar. This is really good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm like funny, like a similar, similar angle of like sharing the wealth but also like you know i'm finding that well i kind of make it a, a it's just interesting and funny because anytime i see an um an opportunity where it says marginalized voices encouraged to apply i'm like yes <laughs> i'm there that's me i'm there so like you know anytime like i think for me the successes that have come my way have been from um like Remaining on people's radar has kind of been the strongest part of it for me. Like, um, yes, there's talent involved because otherwise they would just 
fob me off and say, no, like get off my radar. But at the same time, <laughs> while I'm still a blip, I'm kind of like, you know, enjoying myself and making some really decent oh, little, heat. Little, little gains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. No, no, there's a real power in kind of going, no, I, I don't want to do this sort of thing, you know. Um, mm. this is better for somebody else. I want to do this sort of thing. This is my thing, you know, um, yeah. and that's why I talk about it as, as like your superpower. It's like when, as we get more clarity on what that superpower is, um, uh, yeah, it, it's, it drives that sort of venture to help other people. And then, but part of it really is, like you said, it's, it's like saying, no, 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 not that anymore, because you can do that, but it's not the most special thing that you could do. So yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. makes, makes a difference because it, it's because it has to do with like energetically how we're showing up. And if we show up going, well, I'll do anything, then it's kind of like, well, you know, but if you show up and going, no, no, look, I want to do the thing I'm most good at and I can help the most people with. Um, yeah. Then it's sort of like Ooh, then then, you know, it's like your bat signal or your whatever. And then your people are drawn to you for the right reasons and not just because of proximity. Yeah, that's sure. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always exactly. call that uh, your frequency because I noticed that, um, you yeah. know, if you that you were talking a little bit about the law of attraction in the film courage video, um, there's a YouTube, which I'll send you a link, Chloe, uh, yeah, sure. talking about how, you know, you really can't, you, you shouldn't fight too much against who you really are. It's this, that is your strength and pretending to be something that you're not is not really going to get you anywhere or be much fun to watch or listen to. Yeah. You know, it's like, Stand up is so much about frequency as well. Like the, oh, yeah. the stand ups that I admire that like for one for one, any stand up that makes me forget I do comedy is like has to be if they're amazing. <laughs> like but when I watch a comedian I really like who makes me forget I'm a comedian and like I, how are they doing what they're doing? And it like it becomes magical again. Where and but it's also that feeling of like the audience tunes in. And then the the rest is just like they're just coasting on that like you know it's about cadence and about what the way your voice works across the audience when you go I talk on an upswing when you're meant to laugh and then I'm going to talk it's like quieter in the setup and then but um, yeah it is about once you get like, those hundred people tuned in it's like amazing you can just mess with them <laughs> it's really fun it, well, the other the other thing I would say with standups is like. Sometimes when you've got that energy dialed in enough, or again, when I see it, you can, people will start laughing before the person even says anything. Oh like, yeah, exactly. You'll just kind of get the setup and everybody goes, oh, I know what this person stands for. And it's already yeah. funny. And they haven't yeah. done anything yet. It's really yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's when you're going to, you got to almost surprise them again as well. There's that feeling. Some we often talk about telegraphing a punchline and sometimes very inexperienced comedians will do it where, the audience is playing that game where they go, where is this going? But the most obvious choice is the one they've all landed on. And if you're able to like take them to the furthest choice that still is surprising and funny, then it's like, <laughs> it's all that's gravy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's great. And that goes back to what you said before about the anticipating the audience, the reaction yeah. and say, okay, if I set it up this way, they're thinking that. So now I'm either going to flip it or like you said, take it further um yeah exactly. yeah it's really great yeah. and it's and it's that and you develop that by what i really like about your art form is you get put it out there in front of people is this something can i figure this out and you're kind of dancing back and forth 
with yeah. me as a screenwriter, or when you've written screenplays too, it's you, there's more of an imag imagined response. And I can, I I bake yeah, in a lot sure. of feedback to my process, but it's not the immediate feedback you get when you know, do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Stand up's great. It's nice to media that form where it's like you your publisher and editor and <laughs> um, distribution all in a matter of minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. I just have this timer at the top of my. Yeah, no, I can see the little timer. I was what I was thinking is um what what we can do is I've not got the professional zoom. So if we if we sort of say pause and then we'll can you come back. Good, have you got I, time? I, sure. nice. awesome, awesome, cool, cool, cool. Right. And we're all back by the looks of it. Just Hello. My speaker is not working yet. Did you get a snack? This is yeah, just a little candy. Oh, nice. Unmute. I'm all right. Can you hear me now? Yes, sound. <laughs> awesome, awesome. <laughs> so yeah, we, we've got uh, we've got our guest Brooks Elms on now. Wait, what are we doing today? And talking about screenwriting and actually, you know, some really interesting crossover between um the art forms, which I like. Always like comparing, you know, learning one lesson in one thing from another. But um, like you're based in Los Angeles, it feels a bit like you know people wanting to make a screenplay kind of need to do that. Do you think that's um, still something that people feel or is it true or is it forget about it? Like, No. <laughs> people in Hollywood will, um, uh, they just want to make money. I mean, I'm, I'm joking a little bit. I mean, um, <laughs> uh, but they, it, it, the, what I'm trying to get at here is you can live anywhere, you can do anything, you can be anything. Hollywood would be happy to do business with you if and only if you write a screenplay that they feel like this is amazing and turn it into a movie, people are going to come watch it. Um, that, that really is the, the, the bar that they're looking for. So um, uh, now if that happens and, and, you know, or if you're actually writing a TV show, you know, usually the rooms are going to be in LA, but you know, with, with after the lockdown, there were a lot of TV writing rooms that were uh, remote either part of the time or all of the time. So, um, yeah, for sure. But now more than ever, it's <clears throat> less significant. But for a long time, it's been pretty. Like I, I, one of my working writer friends lives in like Ohio, and he'll just come into town for you know a week, week and a half, and his rep team just kind of books him through all sorts of meetings. Um, and you know sometimes he goes on more meetings than I do. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, like, cool. like even for this podcast, I'm in Melbourne, Chloe's in Hobart, and you're in Los Angeles. So exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, um, I really, I got invited to you know to a, a brainstorming session for a writer's room for a TV show, like um and you know and I'm still waiting to see if the pitch comes back with a thumbs up, but that'll be like um consistent work for me, which is great. But it'll be I'll be like the outlier who'll be <laughs> interstate on Zoom <laughs> in another part of the world, and we have the pandemic to thank for that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Actually, a lot of people who had written kind of dystopian pandemic films, I've noticed people coming and saying, I wrote this before COVID. I did not write about COVID. It's like, you know, things like yeah, exactly. now, like, yeah, like yeah. I really did love and, you know. It's yeah, the key, the key is with, with, with screen is you, you have to try to be forward leaning, you know. So um, because once something like the lockdown, the pandemic happened, I mean, it was, it was on so many people's minds. So you want to be timely, but like, you have to be timely in a way that feels ahead of where we're going, like where we're going next, as opposed to 
or we just and if you're writing you're starting to write a screenplay today i mean you already finished it for you know four five six months maybe longer and then if it gets bought like the day you finish it um it's still not going to get made and released for a long time so you really yeah um you want you want fiction you know like if you write this whole a science fiction novel and the thing that you've been imagining gets invented in the meantime and then the book comes out and it's like here's a book about something that exists <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh, i've got in my wrist now what are you talking about that's not a myth i always think that move, movies are now going to be either set like all set pre-2019 where <laughs> or it'll be like that that those you know the last two years didn't happen or, or there'll be future there'll be future forward movies where it's like oh yeah covid happened a while ago <laughs> well it's like war <laughs> of the worlds they remade that and uh, you know um things killed people and then you have that human interest thing you know why does it matter that those these people survived and these people didn't you know blah blah yeah for sure well i i, I kind of feel like um what should we what should we sort of wrap up talking about because this is like the first one that we've done that's like this i must say i was nervous i am i my my cheeks are very flush because i was like uh. <laughs> we've got, we've got international guest pressure is a different kind of pressure <laughs> i had a great time this is really fun thanks so much for, for, for agreeing and for being um the kind of person that felt like i knew after talking to you once on twitter Oh, yeah, well, no, you you were delightful, and um, I think you came up on several of my Twitter spaces. So no, I I really appreciated your energy and how you were, um, yeah, you were just willing to sort of step up and, and say some things. And um, yeah, I like that. I just like like we were talking before about sort of you know a way of showing up and your brand, but it's also just as a, as a human being when you show up a certain way, you have a uh, an energy of just something you stand for, and um, and so I, I find. When I do those sorts of things, uh, my I, my kindred spirits find me, and I find them. You know, and that's like that manifesting yeah, cool. frequency thing. You know, like yeah, a good vibe, right. and you can't fake that. So keep on, that's keep right. on, and let us know when your book is coming out. And you know, like if you've got films and stuff, we'll yeah. Is oh, there a plug you can make? I mean, you have a like a plug. Well, the, the book, yeah, actually, the book book came out this this week. I mean, I'm, I'm soft launching it, but um, but yeah, I can I can give you um. Uh, a link to the book. Um, I think it's, it's like Brooks Elms dash coaching slash book or something, but I'll, I'll put, I'll put a link to it or the people <laughs> can find me. People can find me on Twitter, uh, Twitter at yeah. Brooks Elms, and then they can click through and you can find my stuff there. Yeah, Lots of lot of videos and stuff. Yeah. And there's so, there's actually quite a lot of content, you know, if people are interested in learning how you teach people, there's quite a bit that they can access already for free, which is something that I'm a big believer in. Cause I've, you know, like I don't like it when when poverty keeps people from being creative and awesome and I don't see any reason yeah. why it happen. And then if you want to, you know, work on it yourself and invest in yourself and then, you know, come and maybe do your 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 one on one coaching, like you've already done some of the hard slog, you know. It's hard work puts you where the good yeah. luck of the guy, you know. Yeah, well it's like it's like we we're saying before, you're offering value in advance. It's like I don't even know how- how do they even know if they want to work with me? But if they've seen hours and hours of videos and stuff like that, they're like, oh yeah, this guy's got, you know, you know, 
depth for you. Again, energetically, it needs to be the right person anyway. So you, you watch yeah, much more videos. And if you don't get totally sick of my spiel, then, uh, you know, then maybe like, all right, maybe I'll, I want some more information. So. Oh, thanks yeah, so much cool. for, being, for being our first international guest on uh, Wait, What Are We Doing? And uh, yeah, yeah, it's been really, sure. really awesome. And that was well, what we said. We, we said, good night, Australia. Uh, <laughs> good night, Australia. <laughs> good night, Australia. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> <laughs>